My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with you. Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, just tell your whole podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and on today's episode, we're speaking with a man that you won't find on any other podcast at this present moment in time. This is his first podcast. He's a man who I have known for almost 10 years now, since I was 16 years old. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he's extremely proficient in Muay Thai and kickboxing. He's trained for over 25 years and has a professional MMA record of four wins and one loss, all via submission. With all that being said, he's extremely down-to-earth, grounded, and humble. He's a man who's taught me many, many things as well as martial arts, a true role model. Enjoy this conversation with my Sifu, Ryan Griffith. I may have smoked like a few hours before the yoga class, but it was the breath work that we did, the fact that I was closing my eyes and I just, I, I journeyed to another world. You know, I get humbled tremendously when I go there, you know, but I need that. I need that. That's the only way I'm going to get to where I was, you know, and that's the only way I'm going to get to my next step in terms of my progress is to basically eat shit for a while, you know. And that's the cold hard facts of life is if you want to make any progress, you better be ready to fucking pick up a shovel and start digging, you know, just fucking grind it out you know and, and it's aggravating you're gonna be sore and shit like that but you lick your wounds and you go back for more i realized and, and this is arguable you can't blame people they're only the amalgamation of all the things that have happened to them at that up until that point i'm not saying you can't you can't blame people you really can't 
because everybody has their characteristics that they were taught as a child. Some people were fucking abused as children. Some people were abused in a way that is not physically abused. They're mentally abused. Or how about the abuse of just not really being loved the right way? Because when your parents go to work all day and you see them for three hours a day and they're just so stressed out about, you know, everyday common things, you don't feel that love from them. And, and I send them off. You send the kids off to school. You go off to work. It's like you know we spent millions of years probably fucking evolving as humans, where we probably just sat around a fire. You know, even like people put so much emphasis on food and eating and stuff like it's great and all, but where we're at as a society, I think if Americans spent the next two months not eating, nobody would die. Because we have so much stored up, we have so much abundance that we would. And I'm not saying for a health standpoint, I'm not a fucking doctor or whatever. But we eat too much. We do too many things that are not actually beneficial from us, and we need to withhold from some of these like pleasuristic fucking things, you know. And, and I fall into it too because it's like, oh, maybe smoking weed every day all the time is not a fucking good thing, you know, because. You, you take a couple weeks off of smoking weed and you smoke one little puff again, you're like, wow. Per delivery. So they kept sticking me on new routes that I wasn't used to, A. And then routes in Trumbull where it's like five or ten minutes between stops. So if you could only make five stops in a fucking hour... You want to make it $5 an hour, you know? Like, yeah. So it was just getting to the point after about a month of doing it, I was calculating what it's going to be in my head. And I'm like, I'm busting my ass, like driving, you're driving all around and it's dangerous to drive in the first place. And let alone you're driving one of these trucks where you either got to pull down somebody's narrow driveway and try to back back out again into traffic or leave yourself exposed like on the side of the street when you're in the back getting boxes if your truck gets hit you're fucked man mm. you know, so i had it's a, just too dangerous i had a buddy who i worked with he was delivering same company as me i got him the job <laughs> and uh, and one day he like calls me up he's like bro I, I i torched my van i'm like what do you mean you torched your van He's like, I got stuck. I tried to put leaves, you know, there's leaves I was stuck in. I tried to use the, the, the boxes to like give myself traction to get out. He caused a fire with the amount of friction and the whole van just went boom. So he, he, he actually ended up suing, you know, the, the, like the company that hired him it wasn't Amazon. It was a different like logistics company distributor whatever that we both yeah. worked for and I, I think he made some money yeah. in a settlement from that because you know he was in a risky situation it wasn't really his fault and nobody yeah. trained him they don't train anybody yeah. dude it's i'm sure yeah. you've seen the amazon that's why i quit it just got to you know and we'll talk about you know maybe covid if you're interested in, in getting into some yeah, of that man. but that was that was a big part of why i fucking quit too because every day i would show up to to load up my truck and they would you know, make me wear a mask in the facility, outside of the facility while I'm loading the van. And then they're testing our temperature every morning to see if we, I'm like, fuck this, I'm out of here. But, and then, yeah. and then basically 
you know, I had been kind of listening to podcasts so much during that job that like I got super super involved in the sense of like I listen to every episode of this one podcast tinfoil hat and yeah. uh, Sam Tripoli he's a comedian he he was doing a show in New York City so I'm like you know huge fan of his I go and see him and I give him this book and it's so funny how it connects because I would have never really gone down this trail if it wasn't for you because you introduced me to Rosie back in the day and yeah. and Adam Wall too gave yeah. me all these old books when he was you were we were moving them out of that place you rented to him he yeah. gave me all these old books that he didn't want anymore and dude i mean you could see how many books are behind me like i never stopped i just kept buying books and learning about this stuff you know and, and we talked about that kind of stuff back in the day but yeah it's funny so i gave sam a book he remembered me had me on his show and then had me on again again and then eventually asked me to to work for him which nice. was really cool. And that was around the same time. I'm like, all right, fuck this. I'm quitting Amazon. Right. And then I started my own show and self-employed getting down to the things that I've always wanted to talk about. But like the name of my podcast is my family thinks I'm crazy because I've always yeah. wanted to talk about this stuff. And people are like, what do you, you know, like you're wasting your yeah. time. Conspiracy theories aren't real. Like all of the doubts, you know, were, were in my way and, and really, yeah. you know, disempowered me until now and now i'm like no i'm gonna talk about this stuff and there's so many people that have just like really responded to the show so i'm like well you know i'm doing it that more was, and more <laughs> but that's awesome man i'm happy for you thank you so that's that's just yeah. to bring you up to speed on on what why i'm doing this now at the podcast yeah. thing and it's fucking great man there's i think there's no better medium man that you can find where you know, you're really able to like hear somebody's insight. I like the long format of it because you can't watch five, 10 minute videos and, and understand certain things, you know, it needs dialogue. You need to see dialogue between people because when you just hear one person saying, Oh, this is what happened. Da, da, da. But when you have another person who had, who's like countering them and say, Oh, well, what about this? And then it kind of reels them back into reality a little bit, you know? Mm. I've always been good at, like, doing that with myself when I am talking to somebody else. Because when you're on your own, you're free to think whatever you want. There's nobody to keep you in check. As soon as you open your mouth, you're like, I better think about what I say before I say it. Because I'm going to have to explain it. And if I can't explain it, then it's probably not true or it's not a valid point, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure you felt that growing up with like four brothers, you know, yeah. that's, that's a, yeah. that's a challenge. I grew up as uh, you know, the oldest of two, you know, just me and my younger sister. So I never really had that brotherly aspect, that conflict. And that's a big reason why I sought out a one martial arts, you know, that's why I came to your dojo in the first place. And that's how we, we met and we're just going to yeah. roll right into it, dude. Welcome to the, my family yeah. thinks some crazy podcast. For those who don't know, this is my Sifu, formerly my Sifu. And uh, his name is Ryan Griffith. He is the former owner of a one martial arts. I, you know, we're going to get into what's happened since. Cause I know with the 
2019, 2020 bullshit, a lot of small businesses took a big hurt. And, you know, I think it's a pandemic. I'd love to give you an opportunity to express yourself freely on that and, and what happened there and, and, you know, what you're going to do moving forward as a, you know, martial artist, someone who's dedicated their life to, to training their body and their mind and, and their soul even. You know, I remember having many, many deep conversations with you, Ryan, that pushed me to be a better person, pushed me to, you know, expand what I was capable of. And, and yeah, I really owe you a lot. So thank you for being here, man. And tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. Uh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I've always appreciated your determination and just having you around it always always were a great guy for me man and you know i was lucky to have the opportunities that i did i i don't know if it's luck or uh, just determination but i found myself running my own school and uh, for a while i was doing pro mma fighting and i just love the training aspect of it i'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu and another style it's a mixed style of martial arts but i was never really somebody who would tout myself i'm a black belt or anything like that I just love getting my hands dirty and, and training with people uh, because you learn so much about somebody. And, and I think so many of these words, and I'm going to use my words, uh, but they, they can be so superficial and so hard to understand because we all have certain slightly different definitions for each particular word. But when it comes to the physical body and somebody throwing a punch at you, it's very easy to understand, you know? So there's, there's a raw, there's this rawness of, about being able to understand somebody through their physical action and words are out the window. And I think that's a, a truer, deeper connection with somebody. And, you know, when we're training with each other, we're not trying to hurt each other, but we're trying to give a look like we're trying to hurt. So we're trying to stay sharp, but not out of control. And then there's a fine line there. And I appreciate that nuanced aspect of being able to like savagely simulate, destroy somebody and then yet still have that be able to translate if you did have to use it in a real fight. You know? And I, I pray to God that, you know, none of my training partners or myself ever have to use it on somebody because it's going to be a bad day. Who's on the receiving end of those, you know, devastating martial arts tactics but yeah, man, I'm, I'm all yours. And any questions you got, I'm happy to share. And, you know, let's do it. Yeah, right on, dude. Thank you for being here again. And yeah, I can tell the audience, you know, I've been on the bad end of many of those destruction. You know, Ryan's a hell of a fighter and, and just really pushed me, you know, in all aspects. You know, I'm a, more of a stand-up guy. I always loved punching and kicking, but I got into wrestling. And, you know, you were somebody who really taught me how to keep the ground game where I wanted it, you know, and, and actually, you know, have the ability to transition as a really tall guy, you know, getting thrown on your back, getting put on your back. It's like, Oh shit. You know, what am I going to do now? But when you're able to work off your back, you know, the secrets of jujitsu guard, I remember triangle choke was one of my favorites. I actually learned how to like use these long legs, you know, for the better, yeah. but yeah, I, I haven't really talked talked much about martial arts on the podcast because it is kind of visual, you know. But yeah. maybe we can get into like who you were before you found martial arts and why you know 
you gravitated towards it at a young age. And when did you start? You know, obviously with four brothers, you probably were getting into fights just kind of like growing up with your brothers, you know, messing around and, and, and rumbling. But what was, what was the primary motivation? You know, obviously. Well, I've always been like a smaller kind of guy. And even as a kid, you know, I was always like hanging out with older kids and stuff, you know, and uh, fortunately for me, I always get along with everybody and I'm pretty like, passive and easy going in that you know, I don't start trouble. If I, if somebody is starting trouble, I'm really good at like squashing it and, and making it not an issue or whatever. But in the back of my mind, I always had this fear that, Oh, if somebody didn't want to mess me up, man, I have no, I don't have the size, you know? And, uh, when I was a kid, I liked all sports. I was into wrestling. I just loved watching them smash the hell out of each other. My mom would say, why are you watching that crap? It's fake. I'm like, it's not fake. Look at these guys. They're hitting each other. This guy's bleeding. And, you know, I'd argue with her. I was like eight years old or whatever. I didn't know. And then, you know, I liked army and military, things like that. So I was, I was really into learning how to gain power through that dominance, being able to dominate somebody else and, and be strengthened that way. Because I knew I wasn't really going to be a big guy or anything like that. So, so I had to. And then I was intrigued by martial arts because there's this mystique around martial arts where oh, these even these little guys can take on somebody way bigger, way stronger, way faster, doesn't matter. You know, so in my mind, that was always this magical element to it. And when I, you know, when I found out that wrestling was not real, and when I say wrestling, I mean like Hulk Hogan wrestling, not like, like wrestling, like college wrestling or high school wrestling. So when I found out that was fake, I turned my back on it, basically. I was like, nah, I only want to, like, learn real stuff that works in a real fight. So when I was around 15 years old, I found my first instructor who was, he's a really awesome dude, a bit of a sage. He's like, he was into dabbling in different styles and taking what was good from each style. Because although all styles are better than no style, certain styles are not really that effective for real life self-defense and i didn't want to waste my time with anything that was fancy or in effect i just wanted the simple and effective ways to you know get myself out of a crappy situation so i trained with him for about four or five years and he actually introduced me to another martial artist who was a little more adept in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu aspect of it and the Muay Thai, excuse me, Muay Thai aspect. And those two styles I've, I've mostly been attracted to and trained in because they're very, very proven styles that, that even put them up against other styles and they've stood the test of time and 90, probably 95% of what you'll see in an MMA fight is Muay Thai or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I've been attracted to those styles. And then, you know, so I trained with that guy for a while. And uh, he did a lot of Jeet Kune Do as well, which is Bruce Lee's style. And he didn't want anybody to call it a style because you're supposed to be flowing seamlessly through stuff. So it was always just very fascinating to me. And I, and I always liked it i always felt like i was good at it for some reason maybe i just had good coaches or like even if i suck they're like oh great job and i feel like i'm doing great or whatever you know but i've been fortunate to have had that journey because not everybody has that when i first started my mother was happy that i was doing it so she offered to pay 
yeah, paying for my classes. I was like, this is great. And then finally I was like, I don't want you to pay anymore. And at that point, my instructor was ready to hire me and have me start teaching for him. So I started making money doing it. And I don't think I would have been as deeply immersed as I, as I've become had it not been for that instructor uh, sort of manipulating me in some ways to teach for him. Cause he probably saw a spark in me that he knew I was capable of doing something great with it and inspiring others through it. But I didn't see it at the time. I was like, oh, I don't really like doing it. Cause part of me was like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing in the first place. Why are you sending me to teach other people? You know, but I knew enough, you know, I knew more than they, knew, you know, so I, I was certainly enough. And, uh, you know, picked up more throughout the years. And uh, like I say, man, I, I'm so blessed and so lucky to have had the opportunity to train as much as I did. And, you know, I, I stalled out a little bit with the last year or so, just trying to get everything in order since I lost the business, you know, just trying to find what my path is, you know, and, and I've done a good job in shifting gears and uh, making things well. There's a huge gap in my heart from not having that aspect of it. But in other ways, uh, I'm sort of free to, to rebirth myself and, and decide what path. Because when you, when you do something, you do it over and over and over. You get so stuck in that groove of doing it. I never could have imagined there would be anything that would have got me out of that groove. You know, but when it when it came, I was like, all right, this is it. This is my sort of opportunity to find myself again, you know. And uh, yeah, I do. I do have to get back to training, back to work. And, you know, I don't want to call it work. It's it's in some ways so aggravating because when I go there and I get to my school, I train at Fabio Ruggio's school. It's a Carl St. Gracie jiu-jitsu school. But I go there and I get fucking wrecked, man. Because <laughs> I don't go as much as some of these guys are going. And I don't, not everybody wrecks me, but, you know, I get humbled tremendously when I go there, you know. But I need that. I need that. That's the only way I'm going to get to where I was, you know. And that's the only way I'm going to get to my next step in terms of my progress is to basically eat shit for a while, you know. And, that's the cold hard facts of life is if you want to make any progress, you better be ready to fucking pick up a shovel and start digging, you know, just fucking grind it out, you know, and, and it's aggravating. You're going to be sore and shit like that, but you lick your wounds and you go back for more. And that's, yeah, man, you're bringing so many memories back because that's, that's how it is. You know, you, you get a full head of steam and you think, oh, I threw those punches so hard yesterday. And then somebody humbles you and you realize, okay, there's something else that needs to be done, something else to, to improve upon. And, and yeah, even someone like yourself who's taught so many people and given me the opportunity to be a teacher because he did the same thing for me, man. And that was huge, you know, really. I don't remember quite if it was, you know, something you saw in me because I definitely, you know, feel like to teach people now. But, you know, it was it was a big pivotal moment in who I've become, you know, having that opportunity that you gave me to teach other students and teach younger kids and, and help them grow and improve. You know, when I got into martial arts, it was like right around UFC kind of hitting its like fame, you know, the ultimate fighter had probably been in its like second season or something like that. So it was like UFC was huge and I was 15 years old and getting into fights around school and outside of school, 
for whatever reason, you know, just being, you know, trying to be a class clown, trying to find myself, but then running into kids that were like rough and and wanted to cause trouble and, and just, you know, also having kind of the integrity to not get picked on, I fought back. And, and I quickly realized that, yeah, this is uh, something that you need to be skilled at if you want to accomplish anything or, or have a sense of security really is what I think it really helped me gain because there was a tremendous amount of insecurity in my life uh, at that time. And, uh, and yeah, it, it just strengthened parts of my inner self. And I didn't yeah. realize that's what was happening, you know, because mm-hmm. when you, you look at martial arts, it, it's so outward at first yeah. that actually doing it, actually going into the process and training, you realize, oh, I'm, I'm really training my inner, the, the mind, the soul, the, you know, the, the, the finer aspects of, of who I am. And, and, you know, to learn that part about Jeet Kune Do, your teacher kind of giving you that gem, so to speak, you know, that was huge for me. Bruce Lee's work. I have his book still, The Tao of Jeet Kune Do. And, and I've always kind of expressed that when people ask me like, oh, you do martial arts. What do you, you know, what do you do? I would just say, well, you know, I'm more of a, a student of, of Jeet Kune Do. Like, I don't have a style. I just do what works for me because, you know, I'm a tall, I'm taller than the average guy you know, and I'm very skinny. It's like there's a certain set of movements that worked for, for my body type, you know, and, and maybe wrestling, you know, just being a wrestler wouldn't have been the right fit, you know, but then learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from you and, and Muay Thai as well, you know, American kickboxing kind of stuff. It was pivotal, man. It was huge. So yeah, to to ask you uh, a little deeper, like, you know, what what do you remember from those times when we met? Do you remember? Because I remember it was like down on the post road. That was the first shop yeah. you had, you know, the first dojo, and uh, and then you moved into the one over by Christmas tree shop there, and that's when mm-hmm. I started uh, working for you. I think I was like maybe a junior in high school around then. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, what keeps coming up to me is I think probably the whole 15 years that I was in business on my own, there's a certain amount of desperation. But just in that, I never really met, found this financial success. I was successful in every aspect except financial. Financially, I was always just scraping by, just barely enough to make the rent payment. And then, you know, I was nervous if the next month I was going to have enough. And, you know, sometimes it'd be like late payment and I'd start to fall behind. But I was always falling behind on on that side of it. And that created a lot of uh, just tension and a lot of unrest for myself that I was like, I found my passion in life, but I'm so close to losing, you know. And then I I started to realize... um, the only one to blame, because I always wanted to blame other things like, ah, oh, it's because I don't have a good location or it's because the, all these different reasons, this person quit on me. It's my own fucking fault. They say if I could kick in the pants, the person most responsible for all my problems, I wouldn't sit for a week. I think it's like Teddy Roosevelt said that or one of the Roosevelt's. Nonetheless, there's a certain amount of, I remember from that time in particular, desperation 
because I was so desperate to not lose what I had, to keep what I had, keep on that path of following my dream. And I didn't have enough financially to make it, but I was making it work. I always like somehow fucking pulled off a mirror. It was like month after month, miracle after miracle after. And every time it felt like I was climbing up this hill and I could see the, the precipice, I could see the top where I felt like it was about to start to either level off or come downhill. But it's like every time I got to that point where I thought I was going to be able to see either flat or downhill, I saw oh, another fucking hill to climb and I climb and I climb. And the, it happened. It was like that for like freaking 10 years of my life. Just absolute, like, like I said, just desperation. I was desperate to not be so close to losing my dream, you know, and it just followed me the whole fucking time. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there are certain choices that I could have made that would have put me in a better spot that I wouldn't be so financially, you know, risky, but it just seemed like I was never able to, you know, I had like five or 10 different types of things I was doing within that business that if they, if I had seven of them doing all good at all at once, I would have been fucking tons of money, but it always turned out to be like three out of those seven things are doing good. The other four might even be losing me money, you know? So and I was never afraid to try a new thing to, to see what's working, you know, and I, I never wanted to tell anybody, no, somebody would come and say, Hey, I want to start classes in your gym. What do you think? Oh, boxing coach. Yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make time for you. And, you know, I, I tried a lot of different things and most of them failed, you know, but looking back, I'm not ever going to like kick myself like, oh, for, cause I didn't, I, I, I took too many chances or whatever. No, I made the best possible choice at the moment that I thought was going to work for me and it didn't work out, whatever, you know, but if I had stuck to those three things that were working for me, instead of trying all these different other things, I'd be in a different spot, you know, but it is what it is, you know? Well, I gotta say, you know, if you can take solace in something, it's, it's the people who were there, who did benefit from, who you yeah. are and what you brought and the the positive energy you had every week, dude. I mean, people who, who don't know, this guy did like class after class after class after class. And you went from Zumba to, you know, dancing this way. And then you would have the kids and then you would, you know, do martial arts with the big guys, you know, and the teenage, you know, you were six, seven hours in a day, you know, nonstop, man. And that's a lot for what you were doing. And your body showed too. I mean, you were definitely someone to look up to in that sense. Like you, you were ripped. You probably still are. I can't tell because you're wearing a sweatshirt, but you know, <laughs> but either way, bro, I mean, you're such a huge inspiration and I'm a hundred percent about accountability and taking responsibility so it, it, it's humbling to hear you say that and and you know i understand man that's tough but i i gotta ask you you know in that vein of blaming obviously we don't want to blame other people but can you at least blame society to some extent because like our western society it doesn't it doesn't encourage what you do man and that's so yeah. sad you know and i think especially young men you know women too but young men can benefit so much from having that practice in their life i certainly did 
You know, I wouldn't be where I am today without what I learned from you. Seriously. And, and, you know, and that's not to say much. Like I haven't, I'm not like, you know, the head of a, a fortune 500 company, you know, but I have honor, I have integrity, you know, I, I stand up for people who need help, you know, and that's what humanity needs. And those are some of the lessons that you taught. So I'm wondering like in that vein, like, do you, do you ever think like, oh, if, I, if only I was in China, like I could have, you know, or something like that. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts when it comes to martial arts place in, in our Western society? Yeah, I gotta say, I'm sad. I'm sad in many ways. And, and you know, that, that same sentiment that followed me, that, that kind of desperation for uh, success. And, and I kept falling back on um, the fact that people don't appreciate that type of business enough. They, they don't appreciate it. And, you know, I could have done more to track, hunt people down and be like, oh, are you coming tonight? Oh, how come you didn't come yesterday and all that? I never wanted to do that because to really have a real moment, you don't want to pressure somebody to do that stuff. To have that those real moments that we had, it was just like, hey, here's my schedule. I'd love it if you came to all these. You might not, whatever. And I'll be so happy when I do see that you did come, but don't expect me to give you reminders that I want you to come. It's like, I don't want to overdo it and, and put that pressure on people like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't call people out. When they don't show up, it's not on me. That's on you. You don't expect that. I feel bad about it, but it turns out didn't feel a little bad about it. I did feel bad because as a coach, I wasn't doing my job to lay into people, to put that pressure on. And maybe I wasn't ready for that in my life. Maybe I just had too many other things that I was trying to make work and, and all at the same time. But I, I want to say that I was disappointed that I, I didn't do better as a business because I didn't have that overwhelming support of people. Oh, I'm going to bring five friends tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to bring friends. Yeah, I'm still coming. You know what I mean? It's like people would flake off and I would just let them go. I wouldn't even call them because, you know, after a week of them not being there, uh, fine. A call would have been okay, I guess. But then, you know, spend so much time doing all the other things to make the business right. I wasn't doing that. That was probably the most important thing to, to keep people on board, to keep them interested, let them know I do miss them. You know, I do want them to come back. And then, uh, you know, if somebody hadn't been there for a week, I didn't want to call them because there's some chance they'd be like, listen, hey, uh, bad news. I got to take some time off. And, and me calling them sparked that. You know what I mean? I could have just sat back and, and waited for them to call and or, or whatever, you know, but I didn't like to charge people for for months they weren't coming, you know, it just didn't seem seem right to me, you know, so half the time, if they were paying, I just wouldn't want to call them, you know, because I didn't want to like get to that conversation of them telling me they got to stop for whatever reason, you know, and in my mind, there's some like negative stuff that would come out too, like, oh, maybe I'm not a great coach, or maybe I did something wrong, maybe I was too forceful in class or maybe i didn't show them enough concern or whatever you know you, you play devil's advocate with all these things that it could be uh, it could be 15 different reasons you know but yeah i guess that's uh you know if i could do it all over again i'd probably be ask people to do more for me in terms of that be more accountable 
you're not allowed to quit. <laughs> I'll fucking hunt you down, you know. And and adults are so flaky. Kids are fine because it's the adults that are making the choice for them to stay in. The parents are bringing them. The parents are paying for them. And you know, kids' interest in it fluctuates for a while. They're like real into it, and then they might have a couple bad days in a row where they're not getting something or they're not going through the belts the way they wanted to, and then they get discouraged. And then once the kid is discouraged. The parents are like, oh, I'm having a hard time getting the kid to want to go again, you know? And I'm like, geez, I don't fucking know. It's martial arts. It's not the easiest thing in the world. We try to make it fun, and uh, we try to keep them motivated. But at the end of the day, it's you're kind of grinding it out, you know? But adults are a lot better at, like, flaking off and just being like, oh, yeah. I went away last week and this week is not good for me because I got my reunion and whatever, you know, but yeah, definitely been an interesting experience. I'm thankful for every student I've ever had. Even the ones that gave me a hard time and stuff like that, they teach you a lot about yourself, you know, and I think one of the things that I've learned most about being a martial arts instructor is patience. When you try to fucking force somebody it they put up resistance and then it's harder to teach them because now they're like anxious like oh is he gonna yell at me again and shit and i never really like yelled at people or anything like that i was always like i always tried to make it like inspiring and motivating but i'm not mad at you i'm never fucking mad at you you know people are people are themselves and, and i would never blame anybody for the way they are i just try to understand them be compassionate with them side with them and say and give them a vow of confidence. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Whatever. It's all good. I love you. I love you either way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I definitely am guilty of the flaking. I mean, around 20, 21, 22, around that age, I probably completely flaked on it. And things happened in my life. I broke my wrist and that became the excuse, you know, Oh, I can't, I can't do martial arts. I broke my wrist. I got a plate in my wrist. Oh no, I'm going to hurt my wrist. You know, this, this thought just infected my mind, you know, and it, it, it bothers me because since then my relationship with martial arts is pretty minimal, you know, yeah. but yeah, man, guilty of that. And it, it bothers me, but you know, moving forward, I want to do it. You know, I really want to, to make martial arts a regular practice in my life because I realize, you know, how much it, it's gotten me to where I'm at, you know, and I have moments weekly, it seems where, especially nowadays, I get put in a spot where I'm really frustrated with people. You know, I was in a grocery store yesterday without a mask on, God forbid, and I was in, you know, New Haven, and it's against their city policy as of right now. So they, oh, I didn't know that. yeah, so they threw me out, and they threw me and my girlfriend out, and we we put up a fight, you know, in in the sense of like I was like, I was really frustrated, you know. I'm thinking like, we're just trying to get food. Like, what's the big deal? Ninety nine point eight percent survivability. Fauci's an asshole. All the all the things came to my mind, and I'm just mm -hmm. like. This is not who I am. I'm not the type of person that goes and yells at people, you know, right. but I'm being pushed past my, my boundaries. And what it's really making me realize is I need to get back to center and who I am because that like inner fire is coming out, but it's in the wrong way. You know, I developed that inner fire through martial arts and I can't, you know, 
be irresponsible with that. You know, I wonder what your thoughts are. My thoughts are, you know, uh, uh, call to action for you. You know, now's the time you got an audience. I, I, I figure the, the most accountability I've ever had, and it's hard to say I'm going to do this. You said you wanted to, but you didn't say you were going to. So, you know, I think for your, for your audience that's listening, if you were to speak those words that said you're going to start back up again, help you find a school. I, I'd love it if you trained at the school that I trained with under my instructor. I think you'll fucking get tremendous, tremendous benefit from that, you know. And there's a couple other schools you could explore, too. My buddy Alberto just opened up. He's one of Fabio's black belts as well. He just opened up in Orange. What town are you in? In Milford? Yeah. Okay. Well, we can, you know, explore that, but I think. No, I'm going to uh, do it, Ryan. I'll say it. Right. I'll say That's it and I'll be accountable yes. and people listening good. know right now. Cause yeah, dude, it's, it's good. something that I've been, oh, yeah. I've been putting off good. and that's why I wanted to do this with you because you know, you're a mentor and there have been mentors that have come into my life. And if you don't seek those out or, or at least be receptive you know, and I'm speaking to the people out there, not you, you know, you have to be receptive to that sort of relationship. Otherwise you might miss out on, on some pivotal lessons that are, are waiting for you. And so many people, you know, they're interested in the show because of synchronicity, right? That's a big theme that comes up a lot. And I, I think, you know, synchronicity works for me, but it's because I've put in a lot of work, you know, and and I, I wonder if martial arts has a larger effect than I think, because for three years of my life, that's all I cared about. I did it like every day. It was a huge part of who I was. It, you put that amount of dedication into anything, you're going to see results. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, on the spiritual side of things, you mentioned your teacher being in that kind of mystical martial arts kind of had that appeal. Jeet Kune Do obviously has that appeal, but has there been anything, you know, like that's come from that, you know, like what, what, what <laughs> trying to try yeah, to, man. I mean, I, I don't know if you get this, but just now it happened as you're bringing it up. Like you get the goosebumps and you get the fucking chill down your spine and, and that kind of thing that it happens to me a lot, man. When I start to think my greater purpose, mm. what I've been through, all my struggles, all my efforts, the countless times you do something without a reward, without anybody recognizing or anything like that. And you're just like, it don't fucking matter if anybody sees me doing what I'm doing. I'm doing it for the right reasons. Whereas today with the social media kind of stuff, people do things partly because they want to put a put nice picture up on their fucking and get credit and they want attention and stuff like that. And, um, as much as I'm drawn to that, and I'd love to fucking have attention too. I'd love to have people be like, good job, man. Wow, you're really this and you're really that. At the end of the day, that shit doesn't really fucking matter. There's more important things. We have to get to the heart of what the most important thing. And I think most people are so involved in their everyday lives, they forget to do good for themselves. And when I say do good for themselves, I'm not talking about buy themselves ice cream and get themselves a new fucking gaming system and shit like that. No, things that they're really going to benefit from themselves and uh, spend time investing in themselves. And that's what martial arts does for you. There's nobody else in the room when you're practicing. Oh, you practice with your partner. You can help your partners out too. But generally speaking, when you're in a martial arts class, 
the one who benefits the most is you, you know, and, and we're not spending time doing things that actually benefit us. We're working a job to get a car, to do all these things that are superficial kind of nonsense bullshit things. When it, when it really comes down to it, the things that matter most, and I'm not saying those things aren't important and they can be important, but to teach somebody that those are not the most important, what's the most important thing in people's lives? They're like, well, I got a job. No, your fucking health, your survival is the most important thing. You being able to love yourself before you could love other people. And most other, most people, they're good at loving other people and their spouses and their family, but they don't know how to love the average person. When you see me driving, like waving to be like, go ahead, you know, I just try to be the most fucking like Buddhist monk out there, the most calm guy out there. You'll never see me get mad. at. I mean, I can do it, but it's not very likely. I mean, it would take a lot to get me aggravated in a public setting, you know, because I realized and, and this is arguable. You can't blame people. They're only the amalgamation of all the things that have happened to them at that up until that point. I'm not saying you can't you can't blame people. You really can't because everybody has their characteristics that they were taught as a child. Some people were fucking abused as children. Some people were abused in a way that is not physically abused. They're mentally abused. Or how about the abusive, just not really being loved the right way? Because when your parents go to work all day and you see them for three hours a day and they're just so stressed out about, you know, everyday common things, you don't feel that love from them, you know? And, and, and I send them off, you send the kids off to school, you go off to work. It's like, you know, we spent millions of years probably fucking evolving as humans where we probably just sat around a fire. You know, even like, People put so much emphasis on food and eating and stuff like it's great and all, but where we're at as a society, I think if Americans spent the next two months not eating, nobody would die because we have so much stored up. We have so much abundance that we would, and I'm not saying from a health standpoint, I'm not a fucking doctor or whatever, but we eat too much. We do too many things that are not actually beneficial from us, and, and we need to withstand, uh, sustain, uh, not sustain, withhold from some of these like pleasuristic fucking things, you know. And, and I fall into it too because it's like, oh, maybe smoking weed every day all the time is not a fucking good thing, you know, because you you take a couple weeks off of smoking weed and you smoke one little puff again, you're like, wow, this is how I used to feel before I smoked every. I'm not saying it's not great to smoke weed, nothing wrong with it, but we're just so indulgent in these things that are not really good for us, you know? For example, like sugar, and, and sugar is in all of our fucking foods, but, you know, and, and our dietary habits are so terrible and it's like the second leading cause of death is heart disease. So the truth of the matter is we're being poisoned slowly over time by guess who? Fucking ourselves. <laughs> you know, it falls back to the, if I could kick in the seat, the kick in the pants, the person most responsible for all my troubles, I wouldn't sit for a week, you know, but I can't totally blame myself and I can't totally put the blame on us because we were just dropped here. We're just put in the society, and, and I have a hard time, you know, I, 
really know where I stand in terms of politics. I'm on the left, I'm on the right, or I'm in the middle, or I think they're both shitty because people fight for capitalism. They say, oh, capitalism is going to be the greatest thing that could ever happen to a society. I'll say yes, because you're free to be an entrepreneur and do what you think is greatest. But there's no moral code involved in running a business. There's no ethics. 99% of the businesses out there, their number one job is not to provide you with your service. No, their number one job is to make money. So they're going to fall short in terms of giving you something that's actually valuable for you. And they're not concerned about that. They're just concerned about making money. They'll tell you otherwise. But So we're in a tough spot where we have the freedom to do whatever we want, but we don't have the willpower. We don't have the moral standards. We don't have the emphasis on value to navigate this unscathed. So, you know, we're all suffering because of it, you know. And as much as I'm not a religious person at all, we need that type of element back in our life that, that's like, hey, man, listen, it's a simple recipe. All these things are true. Whether or not you believe in God, these, following these values will help, indulge, help you enjoy your life. It will help your family and your friends have a much better life if you just follow these standards, you know? And, and I, I had a hard time with religion because I was like, listen, if I live live my whole life as a saint. The only sin I have is I don't believe in God. Only because I was created by God and God told me to search for the right evidence to prove my, my belief. If I'm going to believe in something so wholeheartedly, I need more evidence than a Bible, than a book, you know? And the truth stands that when you do follow the principles of most Bibles, your life is going to be better, you, you know? But I, I was I was turned off because they said, if you just do all the things to live your life as a saint, but the only one thing you don't do is you don't believe in God, you're still going to hell. I said, that's fucking bullshit, man. I said, if I'm going to live my life as a saint, except in my mind, I don't believe in God, and you're sending me to hell because of that? I said, that's terrible. Come on, get out of here. But nonetheless, I, I think there's tremendous value in, in, in people learning the values of it. And, and yeah, you don't have to believe in God or anything like that, but you just understand the stories and, and the, the lessons of inter, interpersonal relationships and how to treat other people. And, and we do need a sort of a, a rule book, you know, because there was a while where I was just like, yeah, fuck, do whatever, whatever feels good, man. And it just led to a, a time of my life where I was just too indulgent drinking and stuff like that just didn't really have a good a good grasp on my willpower to to withhold from from certain pleasuristic hedonistic things that i thought like you can't get enough of oh it's nothing wrong with sleeping around oh now i know different because you tarnish the spirit of the person that you let down because if you go with a girl she's usually under the impression that you're interested or on a deeper level than just sex. And, um, you can, you can find ways to be with a woman and, and convince her to be with you for just that moment. And then after the fact, if you don't follow up and, and have that relationship, you've not lifted this woman up. You've brought her down. Jesse Lee Peterson calls you a slut maker. So, you know, and I learned that, that's what I was doing. I was just 
instead of what I thought was I want to make a woman feel good by giving her attention and pleasuring her, I thought it would do good. It only would have done good if I made a lifelong promise to each of these women, you know, and fulfilled it. But instead, I did the here and now thing of let's seal the deal. And then I wasn't in it for the long haul. And that the woman will realize I wasn't in it for the long haul. And I just, for one reason or another, I rejected her. So instead of lifting the woman up, I actually brought brought her down a little bit, you know. I don't want to say that's 100% accurate in all cases for every a woman I've, I've shared time with, but for the most part, that's, that's where I was at. And, and I wasn't even necessarily after seeking a woman's comfort because I wanted sex. The only reason I wanted sex is because I wanted to be able to show her off to my friends. Yo, look at this hot, beautiful woman that I'm now with. She lets me do whatever I want with her and stuff like that. And that was me chasing to, to, for, to fulfill my egoistic tendencies to make myself look like some fucking great God or something like that. Like, wow, Ryan is fucking something else, you know? So it's just, I, I learned that those, those types of things seem right in the moment and they feel good, but it's sometimes better off withholding. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I agree with you 100%. I think I'm going through it in a way, you know, with the indulgence side of things. I mean, daily smoker, not shy to talk about it, you know, and I'm really lucky to say that, you know, as far as relationships goes, I have a steady girlfriend for the first time in my life and I'm honoring that and I hope to continue to honor that because I find so much value in that sort of relationship rather than, you know, being like, you know, the guy who just goes all over the place and, oh, you know, with a podcast, you'd think, oh, okay, he's cool, you know, give him some attention. And that definitely helped me, you know, attract her, but I wasn't going to tarnish her and just like, you know, and I'm really glad you brought that up. But to go back to something you said earlier, um, that really I remember learning this from you and it changed my life. You know, the idea that, you know, your enemies are not anything more than just another human being, just like you, you know, you have these enemies and they can become like mythic figures in your mind. Like, no, this person's bad and I need to stop them, you know? But when you break it down, like, no, man, they're just a result of all the things that have happened to them in their life. Just like all the things that have happened to you created you and put you where you are right now. And I think that's so important for people to to at least resonate with in some way, maybe only hearing it for the first time, but really let that sink in because I, yeah, I've been changed, you know, big time from, from understanding that. And, and I'm glad I'm being reminded of it now because... I need to have that same patience for people who, you know, come at me for not agreeing with this medical malpractice, you know, stuff that we're being faced with right now when it comes to the masks, when it comes to the intravenous manipulation, you know, all these different routes as someone who's led such a, you know, trailblazing life, Ryan, you know, you are like a really, you're a trailblazer, dude, you know, you, you take your health into your hands and you're, like you said, responsible for that. So, you know, what is, you know, this time we're in now, like, 
how are you feeling about health and, and, and wellness with, with everything that we're hearing in the news daily, blah, 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 you know, this and that. I mean, I'm sure you're not happy about it. And, uh, I don't know where to start. Let me just plug in my phone real quick. Yo, man, it's like, how old are you, Mark? I just turned 27 last week. 27. So you probably don't really remember 9-11. Vaguely, I remember they brought us into the library and and they showed us it on the TV. And then for years I was like, yeah, oh yeah, it was second grade. And, and they brought us into the library like, oh, something's going on. It's an emergency. And we all sat in the library and watched it on TV. You know, I don't know if it was live or if it was like the second tower or whatever. But yeah, and then we went home early. And yeah, man, I mean, I'm sure we talked about conspiracies when I was a student of yours. But like, yeah, that was a big moment for, for me and kind of unraveling like maybe the programming that would have been set in at that young age. But yeah, 9-11. Well, and that's the reason I bring it up is because it just reminds me so much of how that moment, that day, is a clear like pre nine eleven, post nine eleven. Is it clear like things are different now? You know, police officers and stuff, and we're like we were one. Uh, Hold on, Ryan. Yeah. Do you, do I sound different? Because right now I, maybe it's because you plugged your phone in. It sounds a little different. Why is your phone about to die? No, hold on, try again. No, maybe it's a connection. Here, I'll I'll pause and on again. Cool. So you so we'll start from from the point about nine eleven and and why you you brought that up because I I can edit and we don't do the video I just I don't publish the video or anything I just yeah. wanted right. us to be able to have a face to face conversation you know yeah brother appreciate it yeah so nine eleven was this uh, moment in time where you clearly remember what it was like before nine eleven and after nine eleven was totally different in some ways you know we were we seemed to like come together. Because we're like, yo, fuck these terrorists, man. Fuck, we're going to go fuck those dudes up, you know? And it's slowly faded. It's slowly faded, but still we're like on edge. Like, oh, are they coming back? Are they, you know what I mean? And, and it, it, I feel like that was in some ways a manufactured by whoever. I don't fucking know who did it, why they did it. But it, I feel like it was done to get us all to say, yes, we need to go to fucking Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, wherever the fuck we need to go to kill these motherfuckers. Before that, we don't care about fucking any country. Who cares? Whatever. Let them fucking do what they want to do. But there must have been a reason why they wanted us, you know, to, to all be collectively saying, yes, go get them. And that's how it was for a while, you know. And after like five, ten years, Guys like Luke Rodowski and, and a bunch of other guys were starting to like read between the lines and figure out what actually happened that day. And there's so many fucking questions and so many unanswered, you know, bizarre occurrences that happened that day that makes you scratch your head. And like these moments in history that just can't be explained, you know, or they've been explained and most people accept the explained answer. But people like you and me are like, hmm something doesn't sound right, you know, and, and we, we search for the truth. 
you know, and I feel like, unfortunately, now the the truth that we, from 9-11, the further away we get from it, the harder it is to find that truth, you know. So unfortunately, we're swimming against the tide. And I think the same thing is happening with COVID now. We have so many we've had so many things thrown at us that just for us to try to get to the truth of one of those aspects, we're never going to fucking do it. And I hate to be so like deterministic and and that it's negative or anything like that but it, it just seems to me that it's sort of the reality of it and you know this covid stuff put us in a tough place and and you know again i, I feel like it's one of those manufactured things and i'm not saying i don't know enough to say what a virus is and how to combat it and all this but i know enough to to say that it feels like post 9 11 in that way where most people are like, yeah, that's what we're doing now. Oh, you're not doing it. And then, you know, back then nobody would, would do, nobody would be on the other side of it because there was no internet the way it is now. People weren't communicating and, and getting to the truth of the matter. The truth was what they said on the news. And we all fucking know now that the news is fucking bullshit. Yeah. So we're in a tough spot, man. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is for us to get out of it. And, and I, maybe part of the answer is what I'm doing right now. And, and for the longest time I had my own business and I had people to answer to. So if I came out publicly and said my opinions on certain things, I'm sure I'd have a few parents and a few adult students saying, Hey Ryan, can we talk about this? Cause I don't really agree with you on this thing or whatever. We're going to probably lose students over it, but you know, now that I'm more of a free agent, I feel compelled to speak my, my piece. And, and I feel like it, it, we do need more people to open up and not be afraid to, to say things that are going to elicit a response of what are you crazy? Cause me, I never wanted to be that person who looked crazy or, or looked like the outsider. I just wanted to kind of fit in and just, Hey, I'm one of you, you know, whatever it is. But now I just see the absurdity of some of the things that are happening to us and, and the loss of our liberties and freedoms and people totally changing their opinions on my body, my choice kind of stuff. And it's fucking nuts, man. And, and every day it gets worse, bro. As, as much as certain restrictions are being lifted and stuff, no, the trench is getting worn in deeper every day. It's just getting worn in deeper. And, and yeah, it looks like the, some of the restrictions are being pulled. The numbers just don't add up for them to be doing what they're doing. Initially, it was two weeks to make sure the hospitals don't get overloaded. And that's the only reason any of us ever said, yes, I will close my shop. Two weeks, you know, and that's, and if it, it really was potentially going to overrun the hospitals, don't you think by now they'd have fucking more makeshift hospitals going up like mad? We need to build this because we're about to fucking reach that critical mass. We're about, we're not anywhere near that, dude. I don't think we ever did get anywhere. Maybe I'm wrong. Somebody probably would dispute that and be like, no, the hospitals are at 90%. Like, okay, well, 90% capacity? Well, because they're a business and they have to run at 90. Otherwise, they're going to be losing money. They're going to be high, paying all this staff to be there and no fucking sick people. What percentage of people in the hospital right now are a sick of COVID and or B sick of something else, but also have COVID 
you know, so there's just the water is so muddy right now. And, and it's going to be hard for us to try to come to heads or tails in the first place to get to an absolute truth, let alone be able to convince people that totally uprooted their whole lives around this thing. So now when you buy something, it could be a fucking piece of shit. But once you paid $5 for it, all your friends could be like, oh, you bought a piece of shit for $5. You got ripped off. You'd be like, no, nah, it's fertilizer. You know, you're going to come up with all these excuses for why you did the right thing, you know? And, and some people have a hard time coming to the hard reality that they got ripped off and they bought a piece of shit for $5 or whatever it is, you know? So for us to get to the truth, and then con convince people that they've been misled is going to be the hardest fucking thing some of us have ever done in our lives. You know, we have to find the right words, find the right actions. And, and I think we might be in a tricky place now because remember I said that the heart of the truth of people is not in words. The truth in people is in actions. Action words can convey our, our intent and all that, but I don't know that and especially now with words changing meaning and uh, vaccination is not what it used to be because a vaccination used to be, you can't get polio. You can't get small. You know what I mean? Now it's like you vaccinated and you got COVID. Oh, and it's like, Oh, people get sick from COVID. And you know what they say? Oh, it's a good thing. I got that shot. Cause it would have been way worse. How do you know it would have been way worse? Can you fucking predict the future? It's just, we're, we've, we're so far into this realm where, where I hate to, and maybe just me saying this will allow me to realize if I, if I say it, it could be true or untrue and words don't always have as much impact as we'd like them to have because the meanings are all fucked up and we all have a different interpretation of what the meanings are. So how are we going to use our words to convince other people of whatever we find out the truth is. And I don't think any of us have come to the truth yet. So it's going to be an uphill battle for, for rational people to explain to irrational people that they're acting irrationally, you know? And, and even then, even if we got to that place where we totally got to like, like COVID never happened, we still have a fucking mountain of problems that we have to do the same thing for, you know? Mm. Do I think it's possible? Yes. Do I think it would take a miracle every day for the next thousand years for us to make some headway? Yeah, but we got to believe in it and, and accept that that's, it's possible at least, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it frustrates me because, you know, we both live in the same area. You see Yale, it is a monolith. You know, they have so much influence. They have history with influential people. Something that really affected my life when I was going to college at Gateway Community College, I ran into a guy named Amos Daly. I might've told you about him. He's a Native American dude from Arizona. And uh, he taught me about what Skull and Bones was really up to, man, you know, and, and the fact that their hospital is as big as it is and that group is in that same school, it's suspicious, you know, and I've been calling it a medical malpractice yeah. industry because, you know, so many people are confused right now. And I think the best thing that we can do for people is to just kind of give them the clues to figure it out themselves and not 
shove it down their throat. I mean, that's what I've determined on the podcast side of things because it's it's really consensual. You know, people aren't going to listen to my show unless they want to, and they can turn it off whenever. And I don't even know about it for the most part. Like we have like one or two bad reviews on Apple, and and I never really give a shit. You know, it's like whatever. If you want to write a a good comment, cool. I appreciate you. If not, that's fine. But it's it's like if if that's the way things are going. I'm comfortable with that, but I also think when it comes to like being a person in the real world, because that's part of the strategy, maybe getting us all to be more comfortable on the digital world. The real world's locked down, so transvert your life into the digital world. It's been, you know, a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways. You know, having this podcast has given me the freedom to do something that's kind of in line with a lot of the things I've been curious about for so long, you know, conspiracies, spirituality, even, you know, esoteric alternative history. Been diving into that more lately because it's a lot less of a negative head rush than the COVID stuff is. But as somebody who trained martial arts, you know, I know what health is you know i've been sick and i've worked through you know a cold just by exercising you know or or like Mm -hmm. drinking orange juice taking some herbs you know the natural way so it's just Mm -hmm. so nonsensical what's going on and and yeah we're reaching a point where you know it seems like they're just trying to divide us more and more but i'm a proponent of martial arts man i think it could bring us together and I'm happy to hear yep. that you're training and that you, there is a school that's open. They're not wearing masks, are they? No. Beautiful. No, no. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a wild fucking world we live in now, man. There's so many nuances that I don't fucking know, man. I wish I had the answers for you. But I guess the answer is just keep waking up every day and doing what you can to not only better yourself, but you know, in the perfect world, you bettering yourself betters your neighbor because your neighbor's like, yo, what the wow, that dude's on top of shit today, you know, and, and they get inspired by that, you know. So those actions that people see you doing that that they want to emulate, you know, and that's I think that's a that's the best way to to spread that positivity is just be relentless in your in your movement. Don't ever stop moving. I feel like sometimes when I sit down, you kind of get stuck in there. There's nothing wrong with sitting and relaxing and stuff. But when we get stuck there and we turn on the TV, I don't, I can't watch TV, man. It makes me sick. Just seeing it, it's, it's all going down now, man. And and it's just making TV is making it a thousand times worse, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's a wild world we live in, man. Fucking grateful for every day. I'm still here, you know? And I guess that's part of it too. I got my daughter's 16. So I'm, I don't want to die before she dies because then she's going to be here without me fine but then again i don't want her to die first because then i mean she died early you know so <laughs> like i just didn't want both of us to stay as long as long as we can and and have a healthy life and i think so much of our health comes down to a choice like a decision that i deserve to be healthy and i, and I i'm a proponent for not having insurance it's going to sound uh, crazy to most people but i'm okay with what happens to me I don't think it will happen, but if I got cancer and I wound up fucking totally sick in a hospital, 
I'd probably be like, yeah, I guess keep me alive, you know, whatever. Or I'd be like, I guess I don't really care that much if I die. I've had a fucking amazing life. You know, I've, I've done everything I ever wanted to do in life. Sure, there's probably a few more things I could enjoy doing. But in terms of greed, I don't want to be greedy and ask for too much out of this life. But then again, I want to stay alive. So that's why I'm doing things healthfully that are going to keep me alive, you know, but I think so much of it comes down to a decision to decide to be healthy. And I feel like things like insurance. So in Eastern philosophy, there's a reciproc reciprocation. Mark, if I gave you, I don't know, fucking flower, whatever. If I gave you a flower in your mind, you're like, oh, he didn't have to. He gave me a flower. Whether you appreciate it or not, if you have value and you're an upstanding person, you're going to be like, I got to give something back. So there's this law of reciprocation that, that we have internally that we don't always, it doesn't always make it to the surface. And, and I feel like that when we pay for insurance, that gives us the green light to go ahead and live a lifestyle that would cause us to someday want to get our money's worth out of that insurance. And it's deep seated. Most people wouldn't see it. And they'd be like, you're stupid if you don't have insurance. Well, I think the opposite. If you're paying somebody to someday, if you ever get sick to come and help you, which chances are they're going to find an excuse to not cover you. And you're going to have to pay a freaking uh, deductible and shit like that. It seems to me most people are paying for what they know is going to happen because they're allowing it to happen. Whereas if you said no people can have insurance anymore, people would be like, you know what, I better do everything I can health-wise health to make sure I don't ever get sick because I'm fucked if I do. And most people don't realize that. And, and I've come to terms with the fact that I'm going to die someday. I don't want it to happen anytime soon. I want to have a very, very long life. Well, I want to, I want to stay alive for a long time just because I want to see what the fuck happens. I want to see how it goes down. There's people I care tremendously for, and I want to see them have a life. And if there's any way that I could help them in some way, I want to be able to help them. But nonetheless, you know, I, I feel like people paying monthly for insurance is assuring one thing they're going to need health insurance someday. And chances are I might need health insurance someday because I might get sick or fucking get hurt or whatever. I might need it someday. I might be kicking myself for not, not having it. But I feel like that, that the way the sentiment works is I've paid you something insurance person. Therefore, some point down the road, you're going to, you're going to give me my a medical stuff that I, that I, deserve because I paid for it, you know? So, and I think that that does bad for people because it gives them the, well, if I ever do get sick and then when they start to think like that, they think they got a safety net underneath that. So like I can eat shit food all day long and it doesn't matter because I got good health insurance. I'll just go and they're going to fix me. Okay. Yeah. They might be able to, but the damage might already be done and no matter what fucking health care you get, it's already too late. You lost your health, you know, one day at a time over the span of 30 years, maybe, you know, and uh, people are like, oh, you know, sugars. I just, you know, I, the other day I was watching this segment. This doctor was talking about how bad carbs are for you, how your body responds to carbs. And he's saying anything more than a teaspoon of carbs at a time 
is damaging your kidneys, is damaging every cell of your body because that's not like a natural thing for us. That's not something that our evolution, the thousands of years we've been evolving, that's not something we had. We didn't have these high fructose corn syrups and, and even the fruit that we have. Back in the day, we had fruit for probably like three or four months of the year, you know, and the rest of it was just eating meat and shit. And, and that's the other side of it. If we're eating too much meat now, now our, our health is not going to be good too. So I'm kind of in limbo as to where I want to be in terms of my diet, but I feel like natural is better than not natural. I feel like if you can follow the, the Asian cuisine, which is mostly veggies, you know, I feel like you're giving yourself at least a leg up in the, in the contest, you know, but he was saying how damaging the carbs are, you know, and I, and I realized like, wow, we're just poisoning ourselves every fucking day, yeah. you know? And, and like I said, this, I think it's the second leading cause of death is pretty much preventable heart disease, diet and exercise, you know, but those are the hard but necessary things people need to understand moving forward that if they, if they want the most important thing in life, which is their life, they need to do the hard and hard and necessary things, which is eat food that doesn't necessarily taste that good. And uh, they say, are you eating to live or living to eat? If you're living to eat, you're like, oh, it's next meal, indulgence and all this. And I don't typically eat during the day because I feel like just that separation from food allows me to go about my day without that distraction. And I, every day, make it all day long, feeling like or anything like that. I probably could go two or three days without eating and I'd be perfectly fucking fine. Most people probably would, but you know, what's getting them is their psyche saying, Oh wow, it's 12 o'clock and I didn't eat breakfast this morning. They feel their stomach rumbling and they're going, Oh, that's an indication that I need to eat now. No, it is not. If that was the case, then how come sometimes after you eat, your stomach is rumbling? Doesn't make sense, you know, but nonetheless, I just think we're, we're overfed. We're malnourished in certain ways because we don't have like real food. We got fucking bullshit food. It's not even good for us, you know, but it would take 15 years for the effects to kick in. So meanwhile, we're like, no, nah, it's fine. I've been eating this for 15 years. I'm fine. I'm not even overweight, you know, but it, it has an impact. And, and the more we concentrate on eating healthy foods and do, doing those tough but necessary things, now we're going to be, our body's going to be healthy, but now our, our mind and our spirit is going to be more pure because mm -hmm. we know we're, we're doing what's right for us. And then we're setting that example for our friends. We're not telling them to do anything. We're saying, this is what I do. This is why I do it, you know? And, and I've found tremendous value in preparing my food for myself, taking the extra steps to get the food that I think is going to be the best for me, growing my own food. Because the more time you spend, energy you spend making that food, it's I'm going to argue that it's probably going to do a better job once it's inside of you. And if, if it's true what they say, that water has a memory to, in all of our food that we eat, everything you eat has a little water in it. Either that, that had its foundation and its its conception in a factory where it's like jumbled around and rocking is different from eating something that I spent time watering. I took this seed and I put it in the dirt and I cared for it and I fucking sang it a song. Now, three months later, I got this beautiful tomato is next step is going to be inside of me. 
now creating that change and that growth and that, that movement from inside of me outwards can affect every cell of my body. And the more we can enjoy those moments of, of toughness, it's not, it wasn't easy. It wasn't super hard, but it took some mental preparation. I decided that I was worth it. I deserve to have the best food that is possible for me to have. And that's what it is, you know, mm. but it's a wild, wild, intricate, nuanced world we live yeah. in. And, and, and no, every I love, day is exciting. I love everything you just added to the conversation there. Cause like this week, my, this past week, my girlfriend signed us up for a uh, cooking class and we nice. drive up to this, you know, little like woodsy town, Woodbury and go over to some folks property. They got a pond, they got all these plants growing and this like sort of wacky old man, really nice guy teaches us about like the beginner crash course. And we're going to go back uh, this Friday, macrobiotics. And the first thing that he said that really blew me away was like in the first 20 minutes, he starts going into how we need to balance our food and we ate miso soup for our first lesson. So it's awesome that you brought up the Eastern connection there. Cause I think there's so much truth in a lot of these ancient Eastern philosophies and all of the different realms that they uh, touch on in our lives, not just martial arts, you know, it's, but we learned about how you need to balance, you need to have balance. And he kind of showed us like the carrot grows down into the ground and celery grows up into the air. So those two foods together make a balance and those are included in the miso soup. And then he had, you know, a couple other ways like the squash kind of grows, you know, horizontally from the ground and certain fruits, you know, drop from a tree. So there's all these different kind of interesting ways to rethink your food. And you're absolutely right, dude. You got to go out of your way. You know, something that her and I try to do is go to farms and get food directly from the farm and support the farmers. I worked at a farmer's mm -hmm. market for a long time and made some friendships with different farmers. And one of the things that really, really disempowered me this past year was seeing how quickly the farmer's market took a turn for the worst and everybody was forced to wear masks and vendors were forced to ma wear masks. And, and I was selling carbs, you know, I was selling bread, mm -hmm. like probably the healthiest bread you can get, but either way, mm -hmm. you know, wasn't, wasn't great. So it kind of, it's a good transition from there for me personally, but yeah, man, I, I think, you know, this is touching on a big reason why my family thinks I'm crazy. And, and I always tell them when it comes to health, I try to remind them about their diet, not to mm -hmm. just go to a doctor whenever you have a little yep. problem, which is the go-to instinct for mo the majority of my family. And they look at me like I'm bonkers for, you know, giving up meat for the time that I did. And then, you know, coming back to eating meat, they're kind of like, oh, so you, you realized you were silly being a vegan. And it's like, no, no, no. I was cleansing. I was cleansing because I had these 15 years of like eating whatever was put in front of me. And then through your lessons and, and the hardship I went through, really grinding it out as a wrestler, you know, becoming the captain of my wrestling team, showing up to your dojo every week, you know, four or five times a week, training. I was thinking to myself, like, how do I do this better? Well, obviously, I need to stop drinking soda. Obviously, mm. I need to stop eating chips. Ob you know, all of those things became like no-brainers. Okay, yeah. I saw an immediate re uh, benefit. As soon as I stopped doing that, like, my training got easier. Like, more mm -hmm. water. Oh, I'm not, like, 
gassing as easily, you know, and, and the sweat isn't as salty. I'm feeling kind of refreshed by this, you know, like, and yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's so important, you know, to, for people out there, you know, listen, do it with me, man. I'm saying it right now into the ether. I'm going, I'm signing up. I'm going to train with Ryan, learn from Ryan again. Obviously we'll be training under the same teacher, but yeah, I'm going to do it, bro. So folks out there listening, if you're inspired by this, you know, I'm starting all over again, you know, so it can't hurt to try. If you've never done martial arts, if you've never pushed yourself to, to maybe make these changes, obviously, if you're listening to a show like this, you kind of are are thinking about making a change So do it. You know, I I hope you do. And if you do let us know, we got an inbox podinbox.com slash MFTIC hit us up, tell us what you think and and tell us what's going on in your life. Cause that's, you know, what I want to do here is have another conversation with Ryan in the future. Cause I feel like we got into a lot today, man. I don't want to yeah, hold you man. up for too long. I know you, no, man, I got it all day. Yeah. Well you then tell me, let's, yeah, let's, I got it all day. let's go in a little deeper than on, on a couple things. Cause there was, there yeah. was some things that you just brought up that I <clears throat> completely agree with. But as far as, you know, food goes, you know, and indulgence, what are your thoughts on like, healthy forms of meat like i know you're not an expert on this but like when you do eat meat is there anything you can recommend like oh okay this would be what i use and and this is how frequently i eat it because i found a lot of benefit Um, from bison you know recently i took i got this like tonka bar stuff i've just been eating that every now and then and it's it's Mm -hmm. like this lean meat you know it's really that that would be my recommendation but what do you think well, kind of going back to, well, see, I, I believe in the placebo effect in that as you're eating something, you, you got to be saying to yourself, I'm doing the right thing. This is something that's going to help my body. This is what my body needs at this moment. This is my favorite food, whatever. But I think part of the dilemma that we're in, we're so disconnected from where our food comes from. We don't have that connection to it. Right. So we're eating this meat that was been the cow had a shitty life. The fucking, you got to saw his mom die. Fucking all these terrible things probably happened to these animals. So there could be toxins, stress toxins in that meat. There could be, there could be nuanced things about that meat that we don't have scales to read. So when we eat them now, we just put those in our bodies. Could be. I mean, I, I don't know that it's been proven or not, but I tend to feel like a lot of the meat that we get is just, it's brought to us in a brutal way, you know, and those animals uh, sac- are sacrificed for us, but it didn't have to be that vile, you know? And so I feel like a lot of these farmers are onto it, grass fed. Hey, we let the cows just fucking roam around. When we kill them, we have a certain humane way that we do that. So their, their calves don't see and, and, you know, that kind of a thing. I, I believe that that could have an impact on us. But I think overall, less meat is better for But I just feel like as a nation, we're so overfed. And I think part of that comes down to at a certain point in history, you know, the capitalist kind of thing came in and, and they decided, hey, you know, if we get these people used to eating three meals a day, we'll sell more food. 
you know, and, and it didn't hurt them at first because nobody, you know, healthfully been impacted yet. It took years and decades to catch up to people where they are now unhealthy and now it's getting worse mm. uh, because we're so far down the road from that, you know, and again, there's probably a time where farmers used to do their thing because they wanted to give people that best food that they could produce. They wanted this meat to be amazing, you know, not anymore. It's all about the fucking money right now, mm. you know? So there are companies out there, I guess that, probably take extra measures to make their animals not suffer in certain in many ways. Well, I don't know that much about it, but yeah. Yeah. And I think my, my larger point that I wanted to get out of is something you touched on, which was like the psychic and spiritual energy of the entire process. And the fact that our mind is in our gut too. It's not just up here in our brain. We think with our gut, literally. And as a martial artist, you learn to tap into your gut instincts. I think that's a, a big part of martial arts is to train your response system. You're like tapping into the programming of your nervous system so that when a fight or flight situation happens, you're calm you're able to handle it with a clear head rather than, you know, the average response, which is, Oh, mm -hmm. freak out. And you know, yeah. you, you, you can simulate that in training. And I think that's, what's so important is you simulate that over and over and over until you break that out of you. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to really deal with, uh, c confrontation or danger, God forbid, uh, in a, healthy and more <laughs> aware way. Right. So, you know, our, mind is in our gut we gotta feed our gut right and and not be mm -hmm. taking in that trauma from these animals and even plants too i mean with the pesticides being sprayed that's not good for them as as plant beings here on the earth last year i was milking cows on a, a farm and i drank the raw milk that that farm produced and it was the best milk i ever had in my life and it was probably 10 times more nutritious than the hood and what was it Gaida milk that mm -hmm. I drank when I was a kid, you know, the Gita's yeah. and, and hood milk you could buy it at a gas station. I don't think that's a good indicator uh, of a mm -hmm. quality if it's available at a gas station, you know? So yeah, milk really is a big, you know, red flag for me. Cause why is raw milk illegal? Right. It's illegal. It's, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like something that people have been, eating and drinking for thousands of years becomes illegal. You know, I, I just, mm -hmm. that was a, a really big eye opener for me. Yeah. I guess the, the right thing would say there is a possibility that you could get fucking whatever infection from this milk, just so everybody knows it's your choice, whether you want to drink it or not, you right. know, but instead they just say, no, you can't. And now us, freedom loving people were like, nah, fuck that. Now I want it, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's not necessarily the right avenue either, mm. because, you know, I find that when somebody pushes me, like there's a problem here, you know, there's a big problem here. Why is this person trying so hard to get me to fucking whatever it is, you know? Mm. And I, you know, I don't, I don't like that about it, you know, and it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Now, the other thing that was kind of like a synchronicity and a connection that came up is when I went to this macrobiotics class, this old man who 
offhand mention that he worked in the NSA, which I was like, oh, cool, great. <laughs> you know, you know, I didn't really dig too deep into that, but he, he's a patriotic kind of guy too. So it's interesting. There's more, more to the story. We'll find out after I go to his house again this Friday, but you know, that's a tangent really like he goes, oh, and before you leave, go in the garden, grab some weed. So I'm like, okay, great. Never going to turn down an opportunity to get free weed. And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, nowadays pot is so strong. It's so overdosed. You know, you're talking about potency levels of like 23 percent THC and that's an average and you can reach up to like 30 percent THC I'm telling you Ryan I smoked some of this like hippie you know brown weed that he had and it's made me so mellow I've I've smoked once a day I went from smoking three times a day to smoking once a day with this kind of more swaggy looking brown weed Ooh. and I found like what you were saying about overindulge is kind of dawning on me now. It's like, maybe that's what's happening. I had this overload and it was making me want to keep smoking, keep smoking. Cause there was just mm -hmm. potency, potency, potency. Yeah. And then when I take this like kind of break of not having bud and then smoking this swaggy bud, I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. I can kind of have some moderation here. And I, I really want to mm -hmm. roll that into the rest of my life and, and let it be a sort of tool of, of manifestation, you know, because when one thing is kind of going a, a good way, you can almost bleed that energy into other aspects, which is why this is becoming so exciting. The, the prospect of getting back into martial arts and actually not just saying it this time. When I was your student, we definitely didn't uh, smoke together. Cool to, to not like I don't know. Maybe I was too scared to bring that up, and it was just—it was interesting to find out that we were both kind of smoking weed, but never really like touched on that until after I had stopped being uh, a student of yours. You know, I, I don't know yeah. if you remember too much about mm -hmm. that. I think I, maybe we smoked that one time together, but for the most part, when I was a student of yours, that was not a part of our relationship at all. You know, I, I think that was good yeah. for me ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, I just tried to maintain a level of professionalism. Right, of course. But I always like to smoke. I don't know why. And I'm continually trying to learn about why I smoke as much as I smoke. And when I say that, I don't even smoke that much. I'm like a one hit, good for like half the day at least, you know. And it's the time where I smoke more too or whatever. But usually that's the case. But uh, I don't want to bring that into anybody else's because I know the way it was introduced to me. And, and I believe part of the reason why I, I smoke as much as I do is because at a young age, we found out that my father smoked weed. We found a bowl in his car and I didn't really know anything about it, but that planted the seed. I'm like a six-year-old kid. I find out my dad smokes weed, whatever, you know, and then as we got a little bit older, my older brother was smoking weed a bunch, so I just started smoking too, and that fit my persona of who I thought I was, you know, oh, maybe kind of like my dad, you know, and and uh, maybe I think my uncle smokes, and, you know, it seems like a cool thing to do. It doesn't really hurt anybody, but at the end of the day, I'm wondering, why am I so married to this fucking Mary Jane? So uh, there have been times where I've gone a year or so without smoking weed, uh, but I always come back to it for some reason, and I'm wondering if there can come a time where... And I don't want to say I need it because I, I kind of feel like I want it 
I I don't really need it, but I want it. But I wonder if there's a time where I come up where I just hang it up. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go probably six months without it and then see how I feel after that. Cause you know what happens after six months? You're like, I don't even know why I ever fucking smoked in the first place. I feel great. You know, I feel totally great. But if you go your first day, you're like, something's not right about today. <laughs> and what is it? You didn't smoke. It's just not the same, you know? So I, I continually find excuses that I should smoke but there's no excuses why I shouldn't smoke. There used to be excuses of like, oh, I got to go teach a class or I got to talk to this parent or so on and so forth. So I wouldn't smoke, you know, but it's definitely, I'm still learning about my relationship with it, mm. how it got implanted into my life and why it's such a big part of my life. And and I don't want to discredit my experiences with weed because I got to say freaking most of my last 20 years, all the cool things that I've done, I've been a little high during, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not like most people, I guess, in that a lot of people will smoke and they'll sit around as soon as I smoke, Mark, it's like I'm on fucking crack. Not that I know what that feels like, but I get so much energy because I'm able to see my life from an outside perspective. I'm no longer so in it. It's an outside saying, oh, what the hell is Ryan doing? What the fuck is he doing sitting there wasting his time? He's got this he should be doing and this and he should get organized and he should get clean and, you know, all these things. So instead of just sitting there being like, oh, I should do this, I should do this. No, I want to get it done and get it off my list. I want to lift myself up because then when I lift myself up, I can lift the other people around me up as well. And maybe that's me like cleaning something or organizing or fixing or learning about something or working in the garden or just working out in the yard or just spending time with other people, you know, but there was a while where I was embarrassed that I smoked weed and I was a closet smoker, you know, I still am much of pretty much a closet. I don't smoke with anybody. I never smoke with other people once in a blue moon with my girlfriend, but I don't smoke with weed people weed with people because it's a different me. It's not the true me. It's a different story. I smoked a little bit of weed an hour ago or half hour ago. And now we're hanging out, having a conversation. That's me. But if we just took a hit and I'm starting to feel high, I'm going to say things that I wouldn't normally say, you know? So I try to avoid getting intoxicated from weed when I'm around other people. Cause they're going to have that overall impression of me mm. and I'm not scared of whether they're going to judge me or not. There was a time where I wanted to be a closet smoker because I didn't want people to know I smoke weed because I worked with kids and I don't want people to think I'm a fucking pothead. And, and if I forget something, I don't want them to be like, oh, I forgot cause he's high all the time and he just fucking forgets everything cause he's high. In most cases I'm really on top of shit. I'm pretty co- co- coherent for the most part. Um, but yeah, I've been a closet smoker and now that it's a lot more acceptable, I'm not so concerned about it anymore or anything like that, but I still don't want to impose my preferences to smoke weed on anybody else. Cause now you're a young guy coming in to hang out with me and learn from me at 17. And you're like, yeah, this dude smokes weed too, man. Weed is great. And then, yeah, there's nothing wrong with weed, but I don't think that needs to be part of my influence on you. Mm. You know, if you want to do that for you, that's cool, man. But right. now I'm, I'm learning that my, I was influenced that it's a great thing from my dad and maybe he didn't even enjoy it or whatever. He's just hooked on it too, you know? And, and, and I, I don't believe that weed is not addictive. It's not addictive. Like other things are addictive, but the habit is addictive. 
right. the feeling of that is like you just get comfortable and you get so used to doing it and, and it feels good. There's no doubt about it, but I want to say it's slightly unnecessary. I think there's ways that we can tap into our third eye that don't involve any toxicants at all, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. And there's probably times where it, it will help you tap into that. But I feel like for me, my next step is uh, taking some time off and, and not smoking just because I, I want to get a grasp on that. I want to be able to not have that. I want to call it a crutch. I want to be able to still have the same function that I've had without that, you know, for no other reason than I want control. Right. You know, and it's, it's neither here nor there for the most part, but it's just something that, that I, I keep coming back to. It's like, some, one of these days I'm just going to quit smoking weed, not because I hate it or anything like that. It's just, no, because I need to move to the next plane and my next plane spiritually may be something that I can't get to if I am intoxicated in certain ways, you know, mm. I need, I just need to purify myself and come back to a need for pretty much nothing. That's, that's what I want to get to where I don't need, I don't need fucking heat. I don't need electricity. I don't even need food. I could survive for maybe a week without food, something like that, you know, where there's less stress about getting those comforts that I need. It's just like, Hey, I'm free now. I'm way more free than I used to be. You know, mm. it's just shedding the layers, shedding the layers of unneeded attributes of myself. You know, you're, you're reminding me of like somebody who's had like a near death experience, not that you have, but like that <laughs> seems like the, and I, maybe you have, I don't know, but like that seems like, uh, you know, the, the revelation that you're, you're missing, you know, like people take that, you know, moment of like, Oh my God, all the things I are taking for granted. It seems like that's like part of your everyday psychology is to be on that level already. So I wonder, you know, what your experience is with the other world. Cause you mentioned, you know, wanting to open your third eye without the help of a, a plant, mm -hmm. you know? So wh what do you think? Like, as far as spiritual practices goes, have you explored any of that? I know you, you're well, obviously a yoga uh, yeah. practitioner at the least. You had, you know, yoga classes. You, you were a participant in that, and that's a big part of who you are. But martial yeah. arts is, is spiritual. Can you elaborate? Well, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, I think one of the greatest lessons I've learned from yoga is breathing how breathing can get us there. One yoga class that I was in, we were doing uh, breath work from, I believe it's, it's called Kundalini. Nonetheless, it's just fluctuating your, your breathing. So it's sometimes breathing, like exasperating, like tremendously <laughs> that. And then sometimes it's like breathing in and holding it. And then sometimes it's breathing out and holding it. But nonetheless, the fluctuations in oxygen level get you so fucking high that I think the average person can get, you know, balls out crazy high just from these breathing exercises. And I got to say, possibly one of the highest I've ever been was in a yoga class. Not because I smoked. I may have smoked like a few hours before the yoga class. But it was the breath work that we did, the fact that I was closing my eyes and I just, I, I journeyed to another world just through my breathing exercises. And it was fucking fantastic, man. And, you know, I, I keep forgetting to do that. I keep forgetting to, to 
do that. And I need to do that. I think uh, the average person would benefit from just a few minutes of breathing exercises every day, just in terms of being able to cope with nonsense and, and everything. And I think that's one of the fundamental aspects of our life is what we eat, what we breathe. These are parts of us now. Every every molecule of oxygen that we take in has an opportunity to be part of us for some for some small time. And and every oxygen, as far as I know, has a little bit of water in it. So going back to the the possibility that all water has a memory. And then also are there certain life forms attached in that water that are reading my messages and once they get inside of me they're going get to it let's do it and it's like you got this whole fucking team on your side now and and water is another thing that i've been focusing on a lot you know you're you're probably somebody who would agree with me and and that we don't need fluoride in our water to help our teeth clean that's why we brush our teeth if we choose to brush our teeth no amount of water that i can drink will help my teeth i'm pretty sure of that and even if it, even if it could, I probably would still choose not to drink it just for the possibility that it was doing something damaging to me. So I drink distilled water almost exclusively now, just because I don't feel like I want to risk it. Why, why would you risk it? You know, maybe it doesn't do anything to you, but why would I risk it? I'm already dumb as fuck. I'm dumb as it is. I don't need fluoride to push me over the edge that way. But again, that comes back to like spending energy and spending time and putting thought into what you are ingesting and uh, being okay with that, knowing that I've given myself the greatest possible chance to be healthy by spending time to either, whether it means I have to go buy distilled water, which I don't really like doing because it comes in a plastic container and you probably know about the EVAs or whatever it is that might be leaching into it. So I have to switch back to using and then I'll be feeling much better about what I drink again, you know, but, but it's just spring water. Is there, cause I mean, I'm no stranger to Florida. We just did an episode last like two weeks ago, all into the hidden aspects of the element fluorine, which is pretty much what fluoride is, sodium fluoride. It's the most reactive chemical in the whole periodic table of elements, if it wasn't for fluorine, we wouldn't have nuclear weapons. We wouldn't have any sort of explosives. It's incredible that this extremely reactive element is also recommended to help your teeth when if you put it with any like of the minerals that are actually in your teeth, they would just erode them. You know, like if you did yeah. that in a Petri dish. You're not going to have a, a healthier tooth, you know, fluoride, uh, fluorine is, is an absolute, you know, reactive, terrible thing. But either way, have you tried spring water? I have just going back to the fluoride for a second, just quick side is that I remember as a kid, oh, it, it's fine. You get, get it in your mouth, but don't fucking eat it. How come you don't want me to eat it? The fluoride. I'm like, wait a minute, but we drink fluoride in our water. This is not making sense to me. Somebody please explain. Maybe it's the levels are different, like the levels in water, maybe down here, the levels in toothpaste up here, something like that. I really don't know. But from what I know, and, and every company is probably a little bit different about spring water, is spring water is sometimes just tap water that they call spring water and they put it in a bottle for you and charge it twice, charge a double for it because they call it spring water or whatever. Because from what I understand, Coca-Cola, I believe, or Nestle, they do what they do is they'll buy up a property in a town 
and they'll tap into that town's water source and bottle it. And, and sometimes that town's water source is already fluoridated. So as far as I know, spring water is not like 100% always spring water. It could be in some cases. Some companies are probably diligent. I sort of doubt it, but some, some companies might be diligent to that. Hey, this is just right from that mountain right over there. You know what I mean? Which doesn't necessarily mean it's good drinking water. Because it could be, I'm sure they test it for levels and things like that, but I also think they probably have to put chlorine in it to make sure it's not having any of that bacteria, Mm. that bad bacteria, you know, because then they could be liable for somebody who got sick from it. So we're walking a a tightrope of being scientific and and making sure we're not going to get sick and die prematurely because we just did something dumb that like, oh, fucking anybody could have told you not to fucking drink that water. You know what I mean? And then also trying to prevent the possible negative side effects that would come from drinking chloridated or fluoridated water, you know? So we're in... Might not really be totally sure as to what we're drinking that's why i take it into my own hands to make my distilled water because when you distill water what it does is it boils water in a closed container so that water that get turns into vapor collects on the top of that runs off and that what you're getting is 100 pure water no minerals no microbes nothing in it just 100 water so that's why i feel like if i could do that do myself a solid and put in the extra work to, to make sure I have good, pure drinking water. I feel like that's going to encourage my body to get rid of any of the toxins that I may have accumulated, you know, right on. And then also that, that, that component of deep down inside my brain, I have to remember to every chance I get do what's best for me. Even if it means taking a couple extra steps, I just got to do it because I, I need to hold on to the most important thing in my life, which is my health. Because mm-hmm. without my health, I don't have a life. Right. And then I can't touch other people's lives too. So it's a, it's a very interesting element to that. But that's just my take on it. And um, Well, it, it sounds, I'll say, I, I've talked to a lot of people on the show so far. It's probably be like episode 92, 93, around there. And obviously, you're resonating really deeply with this Taoist monk that I spoke to. His name is David Way. It was really far back, episode 26. And I was asking him, like, well, what do you do when your family is, like, maybe not? He's like, I don't, you know, I just lead by example. You know, they do their thing. I do mine. And if they see that what I'm doing for me works, then they ask about it. But if they don't, I don't push them to change their life. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was, like, you know... A little new to me, also not so new, but brilliant the way he said it. And it's very in concert with what you're telling me now, man. It's like you got to do for you before you do for others and and lead by example, you know. And and you've been a a huge example in my life. And I, I can already tell you're like made for this type of thing so i definitely want to invite you back on the show if you're willing and i definitely want to i want to have awesome i want to do it where maybe you and i can have another person on and talk to them and and see who we can get on the show so yeah ryan sounds good this has been fun dude i really really cherish you know having the opportunity obviously to to present your knowledge to my audience because as small as the audience is right now like we're growing and we're gonna 
be probably in the top five podcasts. And it's because of the determination that you taught me, Ryan. So nice. just putting it out there like Babe Ruth calling yeah, his man. shots. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? You, you know, so, and that's it, you know, folks, Ryan Griffith, he doesn't have anything to plug yet, but he's uh, my Sifu. And uh, my, I'm going to plug every person on this planet who's listening to this because they deserve the absolute best. They'll fucking argue with me over that and they can argue and I probably won't argue back, but I will tell them that I believe that they deserve the best. Just like you deserve the best for you. I deserve the best for me. And, uh, man, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to voice my, my opinions and, and to have a platform. But man, it's been awesome. Been great. Always had great experiences with you. Always pleasure. Every time I saw you coming through the door, I'd be like, cool, Mark's here. And I knew in some ways it was going to present a challenge uh, just in terms of like where the rubber meets the road in terms of martial arts, because you have such great stature (laughs) and you have great attributes. And and it was always a challenge for me to to deal with your, your stature, you know, but in terms of your, your person, I'm very thankful to have had the opportunity to, to be impact in your life and, and to be a part of your journey. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, it's only uh, midway through, and the same is true for you, brother. We might not be the same age, but we're living in the now. And, yeah, thank you for presenting such awesome jewels of wisdom here in the moment. And for that, folks, thank you for listening to My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. recommendations from folks so i figured why not just uh kill two birds with one stone stone and i'm stoned so to speak but yeah i want to show you guys some uh some of the things that i have in my book collection and make it worth my time so if it's worth your time to get some good book recommendations sign up for the patreon for only two dollars you can get 50 now bonus episodes and uh, yeah we're doing the philosophy the elemental philosophy that's going to be exclusively on patreon and then uh yeah mike and i your handbook for the apocalypse we're doing content there that you're only going to be able to find on patreon so pretty soon i'm going to be putting a lot of work into the patreon as 
especially considering that my lady and I have our sights on a new HQ. So help us settle in and sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash mftic. And if Patreon's not your thing, go over to the PayPal. Show me some love on PayPal and I'll work something out with you. We got our PayPal on mymyfamilythinksamecrazy.com. And there's other ways to support if you're on Rockfin. We'll be putting more content on Rockfin and get in touch with me at mfticpodcast at gmail.com and let me know if you want to see more stuff on Rockfin. If you're on Rockfin already, let me know. All right, this is all new to me. This is an experiment in real time. Thank you for being here, folks. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now.